Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aptcast, where iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends. I'm <laughs> back for another year, joined with my buddy Alex. How's it going? What's up, fam? Hey, happy people. And for all you sad people, I'll say hello to you too, since KC couldn't join us tonight. Uh, that's sweet of you. <laughs> hey, Sizzle. We miss Casey. We'll we'll see him again soon. He's he's busy doing the school thing, man. You know, yeah, teachers man. are busy these days. But uh, we're back. It's 2021, ready to rock and roll, kick the tires, and we got some new things happening. Really excited about it. For one, we've got this nice uh, video thing happening, which hopefully is gonna last. So fingers crossed on that. Uh, and hopefully our mugs video- don't scare you too bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with that, uh, video content is available on, on our new YouTube page. So check out AppCast on YouTube. Uh, go like and share and subscribe there. Uh, we're on Patreon as well. So hopefully we're going to be able to get some behind the scenes, extra content uh, before and after the show kind of deal. Uh, if you like what you hear, if you want to support us, you want to encourage us financially to keep doing what we're doing and grow and get better, uh, Stop by Patreon, uh, look for AppCast, that's where we are. Uh, it can be subscription, it can be one-time donation, wh- whatever. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And uh, hopefully, depending on how things go, we'll be able to, d- to do more than just uh, provide extra content there. Uh, also, we're on Gab, so we, we expanded to uh, the new conservative Twitter. Um, you know, really just a new, another outlet to try to get out there and get known, so catch us. Uh, there we'll be putting some video content out there as well as uh, our shows and as always we're on facebook so check us out facebook.com slash apt podcast like the show there like the page comment leave some feedback uh share it out Um, also speaking of facebook uh for those of you watching the video you see this nifty uh nifty new shirt here i'm gonna move the camera down a little bit boom that is thanks to our good friends at Candyland Creation, uh, that's C-A-N-D-E-E, Land Creations. Go check out her Etsy page. You can get to it from Facebook. So Candyland Creations. Uh, she makes all kinds of stuff, shirts, COVID masks, uh, all, all kinds of things. Check out what she's got. Uh, reach out to her for some custom stuff. Really good prices, really good person, and really good products. So um, go check that out. And with that, let's... Let's talk about uh, we've got a, a, a former president in Trump and a former vice president in, in Biden uh, taking over as our new dictator in chief. I mean, commander in chief. What's the, I don't know, man. The military <laughs> won't salute him. Apparently, the uh, Space Force won't brief him and the military intelligence won't brief him. So he may be former pre- vice president, dictator in chief. <laughs> Shadow uh, commander. Yeah. No, we're not going to get into QAnon theories tonight. Uh, no, and uh, to to be fair, but uh, we are going to get into a, a, a congressional member who is into QAnon. <laughs> yeah, so so a lot's happened. We, we were talking about it before the show. So we we had the election and all the drama around that, uh, and then uh, the the truly unfortunate, tragic, horrific. I mean, fill in the blank adjective with the events of January sixth. It was awful uh, by any standard, and uh, then since then we've had uh, a new new president, uh, a new administration, 
uh, start January 20th with a host of executive orders with talk of unity and bipartisanship and um, doing the exact opposite. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but you know, uh, honestly, um, r- real quick. So, so, so people don't think, you know, we're just uh, in, in it for the Republicans. If you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know, we, neither one of us are Republicans. And I do recall Trump having, uh, basically what Biden has control of both houses of Congress, uh, with basically uh, could do anything that he wanted to. And after two years, we still didn't see any meaningful wall construction. We still didn't see any movement towards, uh, abolishing abortion, uh, at the federal level or, you know, that kind of thing. But the only thing we got was reinstating the Mexico city policy. And, so, and, um, by the end of two years, I don't even think he had really cracked down on Planned Parenthood funding that much. So it's not like we haven't seen this play before with campaign promises going unfulfilled. So with Biden stepping in, talking about unity and then specifically not engaging in these negotiations around uh, COVID stimulus um, and uh, really these executive orders, which I have it on good authority. Alex, tell me if I'm wrong that um, you, you can't govern by executive order unless you're a dictator, right? Correct. And, and Biden's so words are. last fall. <laughs> um, and if memory serves, uh, Trump had what fifty-five executive orders his entire first year. Um, and, I don't know. I don't know if it was exactly fifty-five, but he averaged fifty-five a year across the four years. Yeah, it was fifty plus in his first year. Yeah, I, I am familiar. He with had that. six I, I just, in his first ten days. Yeah, it's it's been five or six decades, generations even since we've had a a, a president top double digits in the first week. And yeah, Bi- I'm not Biden. sure that we've had double digits in our <laughs> lifetime. And Biden might be had FDR. thirty Golly. in the first ten days, and he's got he's over forty now. I don't even know what it is. There have been so many press briefings. So there, yeah. the their White House. Uh, page is very different from the layout of Trump's. Like Trump's separated executive orders from press briefs, from everything else. The, their briefing room just merges it all. And there's 14 pages of publications on the on the press uh, the briefing room. So I'd have to split the executive orders from remarks from press right. briefings by Saki. He's over Spe- 40. Speaking of Saki. She, she said day one that they were bringing back transparency to the White House, right? So that Correct. must mean just putting all the information out jumbled up and, and you got to sift through it. Yeah, it's all there, sift. though. And they've got they've got 15-page executive orders with ridiculous coverage of multiple topics. Like, it took four days for evaluators to break down some of them and find things buried in a couple of them that I didn't even notice. They were so uh, massive executive orders that are multiple pages long. It's insane. Well, I mean, that's pretty much how we govern now. Let, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The only thing that Congress has done uh, of any notes, certainly within the last year, is COVID spending. Yep. Um, whether that's foreign aid, whether that's uh, checks, which, you know, may or may not get to people. Um 
that's that's another thing. Just as a conservative, even last year when when Trump was president, first pushing it through, uh, I was not a fan uh, because it's it's really hard for any Republicans now to push back on increased government spending when for the last solid calendar year, this has been a constant push, not only from within congressional Republicans, but also from our former president, who was leading the charge, basically a Democrat uh, in in his views uh, on on this issue. Um, it it just seems like it's it's going to be such a tough battle, and any any cause of alleged or apparent hypocrisy, duplicity, things like that. It's like the, the finger can just be turned around and pointed right back at him and go, well, same to you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, conservatives can no longer claim, if they're supporting stimulus, uh, they can no longer claim to be fiscal conservatives because that yeah. was something like three or four trillion dollars worth of spending that was completely borrowed. It was not budgetary money. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I haven't I haven't looked at our def our debt number in months because it's just nauseating how fast it went up and what it's at now. I'm pretty sure we're over a hundred. I think I saw somewhere somebody talking about we're over 115 percent of GDP. And when you get in the 80 percent of GDP range, you start to get into the insolvency range. And when you get over 100 percent of GDP. That's that's bankruptcy range, right? And yep. and one one I don't know if it is because I I just I can't look at it anymore. Uh, but one article I read mentioned something about it being somewhere in the range of 115 percent of GDP. We will never pay that off. It, it just won't happen. And it's growing every day. We're about to add 1.9 trillion dollars to it if the Democrats get their way, which it seems like they will, because. Uh, Republicans in the Senate basically bent over backwards, and Mitch gave uh, Schumer and Democrats control of the entire Senate, even though it was 50-50, and they could have shared power on uh, uh, committees. He gave them control for a gentleman's agreement, power-sharing agreement, and the very next day, they pass along party lines, uh, fifty to four, fifty-one to fifty or fifty-one to forty-nine, uh, with um, Kamala Harris casting the tie-breaking vote. Yeah, so it must have been fifty-one fifty uh, to force through changes to their voting process, so they could pass this two this two trillion dollar relief bill yep. along party lines. So. So much for power sharing the next day, dude. It's a nightmare. Well, well, for one, you know, a a consistent message that uh, I've heard and that uh, we've said is that politicians generally are untrustworthy. Yeah. And, um, you know, what one of the uh, one of those old quotes, right? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you're starting to see um, individuals. And I don't want to say it's because they're Democrats, because quite frankly, um, we saw what uh, what what happened when uh, more conservatives uh, were in power. Um, That power was abused just as much. Uh, But we're starting to see what happens when 
you have this um, worldview that seeks to consolidate power at the top levels of government. And from there, when you're part of that government, it's like, now, now this power's mine, right? Let's do something with it. And to the Democrats' credit, um, whether you agree with what they're doing or not, they're at least taking action. That's, that's one of the things that, that's so frustrating with Republicans, by and large, is that they have values that we overlap with a lot. We can agree with a lot of their, their viewpoints, uh, but they get into power and they don't use the power to enact the policies. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or they compromise uh, and, you know, say what you will about compromising, but with the Democrats, as much as we may disagree with them, where they are passionate about what they're doing and they are using every bit of the power they have to make the changes they want to see. Yeah, and the biggest problem there that creates that dynamic or, you know, expand, expands on it or reinforces it is that the media is, and academia, but definitely the media are very hard shifted left, right? You yeah. can you can take those polls that show the bipartisanship or the nonpartisanship of places like Politico and you know uh, PBS and whatnot. Take it with a grain of salt. They're only as nonpartisan as the person who's creating the platform that right. the rubric that measures their nonpartisanship. Right? If if they don't defend right wing, but they give it equal screen time if they preach and they are preaching they're not just presenting news if they preach yeah. from the left wing position it doesn't matter how quote unquote accurately they represent the right wing or how many people they let speak from the right wing position that they're still pushing subconsciously even if it is that the left wing narrative so yeah, the, those power hungry, power fighting, aggressive progressives on the left have a media cabal behind them that is pushing their narrative and um, vilifying the other side. I mean, look at the Time article, the Time magazine article that came out today where they blatantly admitted manipulating Mm -hmm. uh, voting laws and get out the vote efforts and mm -hmm. then post-election the narrative for the last year. Like they, they admit in the article that a year ago they realized that it wasn't going the way they wanted it to, so they started manipulating things. Mm -hmm. uh, government, together with unions, together with big tech, together with massive donors on both sides of the aisle, started manipulating things so that they would get the outcome they wanted. That they are going to get the outcome they want. That's their goal. They'll readily admit it, as the Time article did. Mm -hmm. And dude, uh, I don't want that. You know, if if that's what it takes to win, I don't want to win that. That that you lose your soul to win the battle. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Uh, so let, let me ask you this, because this is something I've kind of gone back and forth on, and I, I don't know enough on, on the inside to to really know for sure. But when it comes to like the media, do you think it's an intentional slant uh, that's consciously driving this narrative, 
or is it more unintentional and you just have people who are in these positions in media who agree politically and culturally with the viewpoints of the left and they're just going on like uh, Don Lemon said sometime last year speaking his truth right just going out and because they yeah, they, so, they filter everything through their worldview that's just how it comes out and it's not necessarily nefarious or intentional in that regard so think? there's a pretty clear narrative involves behind the scenes at the executive mm-hmm. level at the production level at the corporate ownership level uh if if you record all the locals, all the national broadcasts, all the parent company affiliates, you can see the exact same message being spun at every level by every local, regional, national talking head when, when they're really trying to push a narrative. So on, on the propaganda or the narrative level, you have a corporate push. I mean, every 95 or something percent of media outlets in the entire country are owned and controlled by six corporate conglomerates. Mm-hmm. So they are controlling the narrative, period. And it's easy to recognize, easy to identify, easy to demonstrate. But at the individual reporter level, I think for the most part, you're dead on accurate. It's just that they believe it. And like you said with Don Lemon, they're t- they're speaking their truth, right? For for that yeah. person, they may be so absorbed, and I won't say narcissistic, but so absorbed with their position, their, their knowledge or appearance of knowledge that – they just don't care to learn more than what's being fed to them as the truth that they get to report to us and talk about, right? Yeah. They think because they're plugged into the media, they know all there is to know. When really knowing all there is to know takes an investigative reporter who's not sitting to spending half his time talking on the air, the other half whining and dining with famous people, right? It, it right. takes – digging through the data, going to archives, researching online, you know, finding the contact and talking to them. Investigative reporting is practically dead. The only people I see doing it anymore are Project Veritas. Now, they they have a pretty heavy political slant, obviously, conservative political slant. I wish I could see somebody on the left doing the same thing because it'd be interesting to see what they found. But nobody is is doing the investigative reporting not even the alternative media like the newsmax and the oans and stuff like that like they'll they'll yeah, give you more unfiltered same, same news type of stuff but it's yeah it's still the corporate media style where they're where they're reading off what's been told to them they are not doing investigative reporting so realistically i think the field of journalism has died it's a dinosaur uh one thing that i think has really been beneficial from the whole QAnon, uh i guess you'd say culture is that citizen journalists are the future of media and journalism of of knowledge dissemination Everything I've been able to find on the subject I've tracked uh, around and since the election, I found uh, 
links to raw video, discussions of people uh, getting firsthand accounts from either people on the ground or people in government or law enforcement or whatnot, finding documents on the subject and posting them online, whether it's somewhere like Gab or Telegram mm-hmm. or even normal uh, uh, communications boards like Reddit or something. You have to go to places like that to find the raw data, right? It's been so filtered and manipulated by the time it gets to any corporate media, whether it's Politico or CNN or Fox News or OAN. Uh, it's It's been filtered so much, you're not getting the real news. You're getting the slant yeah. they want you to hear. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense that it's kind of a, a combination. So behind the scenes at the administrative executive levels, you yeah. have uh, the intentionality. And then by the time it gets down to the anchors and, and the nuts and bolts of the program, you just have people who are, who are, really believe the narrative. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think your, your comment about uh, citizen journalists is spot on. Because one of the things that's been apparent to me for, for several years now and really picked up last year uh, with the BLM riots is um, as news, quote unquote, news has shifted from investigative reporting to editorializing right having a conversation um instead of a journalist talking about his reporting or her reporting you have a panel talking about how a story impacts them or how they feel about it or what what the impact is that that kind of thing so projecting really that's opened the door for uh guys uh, folks who do what we do folks who do uh, other types of uh shows like this podcast and and things like that um that's just as accurate as what you would see because you have the same concept you have people who are sitting around basically talking about what's going on how that affects them and things like that and you just get it from a bunch of different perspectives yeah and i I forget his name but there was one guy and, and i think it was in texas who um there was a video that went viral of uh, this guy bringing out a sword to defend a shop or something like that. And he just, Oh yeah. Um, be, um, it's either in Texas or California. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of those two, but the guy yeah. who filmed that, Oh, the guy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, he, and I forget his name. I, I, I'd probably recognize or I'd recognize him if I saw him, he kind of made the, the circuit after that video went viral and he, had a habit of going to these demonstrations, going to these protests and riots yep. and walking around. And so you'd have kind of the 10,000 foot view from the media of what's going on from their vantage point, you know, mostly peaceful protests with, you know, fire in the background as the city burns. Uh, and then you'd have him going through actually walking around the city, walking with the protesters and things like that. And every now and again, stopping and asking uh, questions or you know just letting the microphone pick up what's what's being chanted so you've got somebody who's actually going in and it's easier to do if you're one person and it's um, easier to do or more practical now than it ever has been with microphones and and um, video I mean you can go in with an iPhone basically yep. or any any basic smartphone and get a quality and uh, good enough for it to be used on news. 
So yes, what? I mean, you've got you've got external things. microphones and light rigs and yeah. lens accessories for your iPhones and your major Android devices. I mean, you could even go with something like a GoPro or a point and shoot camera yeah. with an external mic on the TTL mount. Uh, I mean, there's a thousand different ways to do it, and you get good enough quality for it to be newsworthy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it and it's it's wild that the news has become so worried about the editorialization and the ratings they get from that, that they've lost the ability, much less the will to do real journalism. Right. Yeah, I don't think they worry about the edit, editor, editorializing of the news so much as they worry about the ratings. And that's kind of driven. Yeah. The editorializing. That's driven. The, the, I, mean, I don't the think they worry model. about that because that gets them the, the results they want. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not that they worry about it. That's it, They worry more about what gets them the ratings than doing news. That's, that's right, what I right. meant by that. But, I mean, a perfect example, uh, I would love to get into the 6th, but uh, January 6th is still such a crazy topic on the media platforms that I could not post the video I have proving – my position on that subject because it would get taken down by Facebook. I got a three day ban two days ago for posting video demonstrating there were bad actors there instigating the Trump fans to riot. Um, and the justification was that it was uh, terrorists and violence that I was posting. It was people in one of the Senate offices talking and coordinating. That's that's violence, but you know, a dude murdering three people uh, stays up quite a while. Anyway, I digress. Uh, a better example would be the Kenosha events with Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Right. I spent days researching that, and I'm I'm talking like a couple of weeks, not not just you know two or three days, researching that and finding the details because I didn't know if he was guilty of crime. Well, it turns out his only real crime seems to have been potentially a straw purchase of a gun he couldn't legally buy himself, yeah, and then underage possession of that gun. I was now, about to say the or the straw purchase wouldn't be him though, right? It would uh, be whoever he gave. So he gave the money to the guy, so they would both be guilty of it, right? Okay. Uh, well, I was, that, I was thinking if 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 I buy alcohol yeah. and give it to a minor. I'm the one that's held at fault because I'm the one who's of legal age, not the minor who I right. gave it to. Yeah, the, the, guy, the guy who bought the gun would be in more trouble than him, but they would both be in trouble. Uh, anyway, so um, if it wasn't for people on the ground acting as citizen journalists, right, people who were there to support the BLM and the Antifa uh, mm. in their protests for George Floyd, no, that wasn't even for George Floyd. That was um, that was no, the guy was, who got shot shot in the back, uh, James. No, I'm gonna look it up now. Yeah, because uh, Minneapolis is where where it went down. Uh, Kenosha uh, is where it went down. Well, uh, well um, I think many. Oh no, Minneapolis w- w- had the riots soon after. But yeah, okay. um, who was it that? Oh gosh, what was his name? Anyway, so if, if it wasn't for left-wing citizen journalists recording everything that went on for a several city block, a square city block area 
and all that video getting posted online so they could have their five minutes of fame, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have the evidence showing the timeline of events to show Kyle Rittenhouse. Jacob Blake. Yeah, Jacob Blake. Uh, yeah. Shot first uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, then the skater dude, and then Gage Grosskreutz. <laughs> The skater dude, the the one who tried to hit him with the skateboard. Yeah, um, oh, and then fired at uh, the dude sagging his britches right before skater dude. Anyway, the four people he fired at, three of them he actually hit, mm-hmm. all assaulted him before he even raised his gun at them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he was apparently had left the area where they were as a group to go offer assistance to somebody, uh, first aid assistance. He was a certified first aid something with his um, swimming uh, lifeguard job. He he was certified in first aid. So he was there helping people that night. And you, you can find video recording of him talking to a reporter, an actual reporter, about why he's there. He's there to help. He's there to defend not only the car lot, the used car lot he was there for. Like he actually talks about them talking down a group of people who were trying to burn a church a block away. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they were able to resolve that without violence. So he's there to help people, but he has a gun because other people are being violent and he's fierce for his life, which he should because Joseph Rosenbaum, who is a pedophile, uh, had assaulted four boys uh, age 8 to 12 when he was 17 years old yeah. uh, and spent 12 years in feder- in prison doing hard time for that, uh, chased him down and assaulted him. And another dude who was in the group with Joseph Rosenbaum fired a Glock pistol in the air right behind him as he's running away from Rosenbaum. So someone else on the other side of the event fires a pistol. He doesn't know that it's not Joseph Rosenbaum who fired the pistol, who's chasing him and corners him in the corner of a lot with four people with bats destroying cars behind him, Joseph Rosenbaum in front of him. Rosenbaum reaches for his gun. He fires in self-defense. And then runs away from that scene because people are saying, get him, get that MFR. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just killed that guy. He just murdered that guy. Well, you're one dude with a gun and there's two dozen people running at you. What are you going to do? You're not going to stand there and wait. You're going to get out of the yeah. situation. So he and ran not off. just running at you, r- running at you with violent intent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Saying, get that MFR. So he takes off down the street and the next angle you see he's running straight towards the line of cops that are blocking off the end of a road about four blocks away so he's not fleeing the scene he's running to the cops and then uh one dude comes up and hits him in the head and then runs off uh it doesn't knock him down and then about half a block later he falls on his own the next dude tries to kick him in the head and runs like jumps over the top of him and misses him because he's rolling he fires at that guy, misses. Then I can't remember his name. Skater dude tries to disarm him, 
and trips as he's swinging his skateboard with uh, at him and doesn't actually hit him with the skateboard, but lands a shot on his head that's not really a strong blow. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fire. As the guy is falling over him, he reaches for the barrel of the gun to pull it out of Kyle's hands, and that's when Kyle fires, when he's trying to be disarmed yeah. with a group of people around him that are willing to hurt him if not kill him. Yeah. And then finally Gage comes running up on him and he raises his gun at Gage. And then the one who got shot in the elbow. Yeah. Yeah. And elbow with the gun in it. Yeah. And then Gage holds his hands up. Like I'm, I I mean, you no harm. He, he, he does a false surrender. And so Kyle lowers the gun seeing he's not a threat and you know, is about to start getting up. Then Gage reaches for his gun in the back of his belt and aims it at Kyle's head, and then Kyle shoots him in the arm. So every every scenario is self-defense. Then he gets up from there and runs straight to the cops and tries to turn himself in. But they were four blocks away, so they probably, looking at it in hindsight, they probably didn't see that he was the one who was shooting the shots that they heard fired. Uh, And they can't hear him saying, you know, he's trying to turn himself in. They tell him to go away. They're like, get get out of here. Go away. Get away from the line of cops. So the entire event is recorded, and you can prove the timeline, which the New York Times does rather well, that everything he did was in self-defense. But the narrative yeah. is, oh, he murdered four people. He's a white supremacist. Well, well and, the guys and he shot are white. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that that that's what gets into your point earlier about undercutting the credibility of the media is that the the shots that first came i mean the the camera shots that first came out were him walking with the rifle yep. slung down towards the cops and them waving him on yeah so we originally didn't see any of these altercations didn't see uh what happened uh, even before that that last event and and i'd, I'd say that arguably went um went more viral than, than the first because yeah that's when you shot the dude in the elbow and skater dude and all, all of that um but even then where did all that other footage come from it was cell exactly. phone pictures it was people yeah. on the ground you didn't have journalists and granted not every journalist can be everywhere i, I right. get that and quite frankly a, a lot a lot of the m- smaller market local journalists do that because they don't want to go to the larger markets or even um, the more dangerous areas outside the country. It's safer there usually. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I don't hold any ill will against them, but it's it's just one more in a line of instances where originally we had a small window of what was happening. And as that picture got filled in and we were able to zoom out and see more and more, the story was continued to be reported from that original set of facts. Yep. Right. Like uh, Sandman in Washington, uh, with yeah. the guy jumping in his face. Right. Originally, it was uh, white kids smiling. It's uh, a, a man of color approaching pain. and harassing yeah. a Native American man. Yeah. And that's yeah. not at all what happened. Yeah. Right. But once that initial story takes hold. It doesn't matter what other details come in, because at that point, you're contextualizing racism, you're contextualizing violence, you're contextualizing these evils, which, to be fair, 
if something's evil, trying to justify it is not the best use of our time. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, if our understanding of the situation should be changed with these additional facts, we should be open to them. And when that's not the case with the people tasked with bringing the facts, that's that, that seems to, to undercut the credibility of the people whose credibility should be uh, of the, the utmost quality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's my worst problem with what's going on this entire last year. Oh gosh, COVID. We could have a series on COVID. Um, we kind of did as a series of non episodes. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we had, we had months where we didn't do any episodes because of COVID, but I'm, I'm talking about, uh, the, the supposed initial death rates that they calculated would occur if governments did nothing. The, the death rates of 3% that were fabricated, the false positive rates, the efficacy of the vaccine, the injuries and deaths caused by the vaccine that are being denied as non-existent. Everything about like a COVID. gunshot to the head. Oh, dude, it's 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 an absolute nine. The the mask ordinances, the the social distancing, the the yeah. required lockdowns, everything about it. There's data that has been out the entire time refuting the validity of all these positions, but because the prevailing narrative was do this, do this, do this. All data and science to the contrary has been rejected to the point where people still claim it's false or been disproven when even the authorities are now agreeing with the new data, well, new to them because it's being agreed to by the authorities in the media that's been out the entire time. It's just been rejected as faults or misleading or uh with financial motivation oh and it's it's not just covid it's not just social issues it's everything the media touches they they just can't present facts they have to spin it for a narrative because you got to get the clicks you got to get the views you got to yeah, get the ratings you got to get, get the, the advertising you got to get the money it's all about the benjamins yeah, it's 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 sad that that's what it's become, but that's that's the reality, and it it makes it even more difficult, I think, for average Joes like you and me, or, or like somebody watching this. Which you know, it it'd be nice if we could say, hey, yeah, we've got the inside scoop, we've got you know true factual information, but at the same time, no matter where we're getting it from, you know, how trustworthy is that source? Well, dude, I mean, on the flip side of that, the citizen journalist thing, you've got tons of podcasts and uh, like Reddit forum people claiming the alternative scenarios and finding followings with just an alternative narrative, right? You've heard the idea the entire time Trump's been around alternative facts. Well, you, we've got this rubber band effect going on where people have seen uh, the dishonesty of your mainstream media, seen how they've been proven false. And so people spinning a different narrative 
they just believe them, right? The, the way they used to, the media. And that's more frightening than the media problem because people are getting more lazy and less willing to do their own research now that they've got this alternative option with these people spinning a different narrative. Yeah. Like, for example, I don't trust the COVID vaccine. Not because I think it's got some kind of 5G nanotechnology that's going to change my DNA. Just the because, mark of the beast. Yeah, the mark of the beast. <laughs> just because it didn't go through 90% of its normal testing cycle. It's yeah. a brand new delivery model. The, uh, the nanoparticle uh, mRNA method. This is, this is the first vaccine of that type, right? And on top of that, they didn't go through 90% of the normal testing phases to know what long-term side effects are. So well, we got it at warp speed, dude. You yeah. Can't, right. can't get long-term results. Trump. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those two factors without even considering all the conspiracy theories that are out there make me unwilling to trust it when there are 174 pages on the CDC vaccine injury uh, site, 174 pages, not 174 instances, 174 pages of 20 at a time instances of death, permanent disability, major incapacitative uh, injuries, short term, they got over them, but like incapacitated for a week or more due to side effects from the virus, uh, permanent side effects. 174 pages. The first nine pages of 20 apiece is deaths where someone died two days after taking the virus or died the same day or died a week later for unknown reasons. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm just not willing to take a, a vaccine that's new technology and skipped 90% of its testing. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the scary <laughs> thing is the the lack of trust in the media who should be our means of getting information about what's going on in the world has led to people believing the conspiracy theories where it, it's 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 5G nanotechnology that's going to track you they don't need that yeah. they're tracking you with this there's a chip exactly. in this you've got on you 24 hours a day they they know everything you're doing you're saying everything you're searching you are giving them that data without them injecting something into your body. Um, the DNA changing. Yeah. It could be happening. It could not. That's not the goal of mRNA. That's not the scientific data. But the people saying it is are not giving scientific data to back up their position. They're just saying, oh, well, this, this is designed to change your, your, your DNA. Give me some data. Give me some citations needed to prove that. Yeah. Um, Anytime you say this, this is designed to do this, or this is the intention, I'm going to need to see extra, not just data on the, on the correlation. I'm going to need some data. The whole mark of the beast in the light thing with the luciferase or luciferase, uh, the, the, the new, uh, chemical that's the basis for, I forget what it is, uh, how they're creating. So MRNA is messenger RNA, RNA is the building block that makes up DNA. And this mRNA is a fragment of the virus. And the delivery method actually helps that virus fragment penetrate a cell wall so that 
the inside of, and I don't, I don't know the technicals of it uh, to, well enough to explain it accurately, but it, it allows the um, fragment to get past your normal immune defenses theoretically to help your immune system build up a much stronger response than it could with a typical vaccine, right? You, yeah. Typically, your, your immune system, the first stage of your immune system attacks the virus that's in a, a, a vaccine through the normal process of white blood cells and whatnot. Uh, this gets past that to the core of your immune system to where it builds up a much stronger defense much faster. Um, but anyway, so because it penetrates the cell, there's this whole conspiracy that it's actually rewriting your DNA. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should do a whole episode on conspiracy theories one day. <laughs> no, I mean, you we don't want to get that. <laughs> We've already had one of those conversations this year. Um, hey, yeah. That's that's a lost episode. That's why we're starting so late. <laughs> yeah, we had an episode that we, we a two hour episode. We decided just to keep on the back burner. Uh, that touches on a lot of ongoing Golly, conspiracy yeah. theories. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole five G thing. How it uh, there's so many different conspiracies around this vaccine and five G. I don't even know which one to touch on. There's one that talks about it inserting nanobots into your body that act as radio signals so the 5G signal can control you. There's another one that talks about it focusing the 5G so it can uh, sterilize you and irradiate you. Oh, there's so many different ones. It's just like, oh, my God, shut up. Either either give me science to prove this or just shut up. Take I mean, this it's, vaccine it's, and usher in your own personal tribulation. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's flat earth level conspiracy theories, most of it. Like there's, there's real problems with this vaccine that should be addressed and should be discussed. But you can't break through to those because anytime you try to oppose the vaccine, someone assumes, oh, well, you're uh, like with the left versus right narrative right now. If you oppose something the left's doing, oh, well, you're a QAnon conspiracy theorist, right? It's yeah. that level of dismissal. Uh, everybody's an extremist if they have any opposition. And, and to be fair, though, this it, it goes the other way, right? Because if, um, it, as a conservative, if I'm entering that space and I don't allow somebody to fully explain or fully contextualize their view, it's easy for me then to dismiss them as some left-wing nut job, right? Some yeah. Some crazy... Uh, Green New Deal, when they may be saying the same things about the Green New Deal. Hey, you know, maybe there's some good parts, but there, there's some serious issues we can talk about, right? If, if we dismiss them the same way, we're, we're no better. And, and that, I think, with the broken credibility of the media, the bro really uh, of all of our institutions, but um, the political temperature is so high, the, the lack of credibility from um, governments at every level, from the media uh, at uh, pretty much any level. Um, it, it bleeds down into personal conversations. This is probably a good place for us to kind of land the plane uh, on this episode. Is, and I think, in my experience at least, the biggest negative impact isn't the flow of information. It's the impact this has had on our ability to have conversations with people. Yeah, I mean that was that was the last uh, episode I, I did solo 
was was talking about having these conversations and it seems like since then it's so much more difficult it's so fraught with risk right where one of the reasons i don't talk about where i work publicly is because there could be ramifications for it there could be i I don't want my boss getting phone calls from people mad at me from facebook right yeah you know i've had that would happen or not yeah i've had to shut down my social media i i I canceled my twitter account i shut down all my other social media with all my details that talk about where i live what i do right i've still got engineer in my profile on facebook but i don't even have the type of engineering much less the company i work for uh, all my posts are friends only now, and yeah, uh, I, I, I made my LinkedIn profile private. My LinkedIn yeah. profile is now private so that someone can't search me on Facebook, find my LinkedIn profile, find where I work, and dox me for not liking what I'm saying on Facebook. It's I was going to ask, do, do, is your profile picture on LinkedIn completely different than anything that's on Facebook? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's that's another one. Too. It's it's crazy. And and I know folks who for years haven't even put themselves as their profile picture on Facebook. Mm, right. Yeah. Not, not a, yeah. And originally it wasn't because of this kind of thing. It was just because of general. They, they didn't like the fact that somebody could Google their name and find out that kind of information about them. Yeah. You know, I know they wanted like to, that. Yeah. It, but now it's 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 so difficult to to have. Friendships where you disagree and I've actively tried to have these kinds of discussions and it's incredible how quickly people pile on in social media forums. Uh, and, and this is right and left. I mean, it, it goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's sad to see every time it happens because I'll, I'll start having a conversation with somebody. And the next thing you know, four or five people are jumping in yelling at one of us. Right. It depends on what the situation is, what group it is and, and what uh, what we're talking about. But, um, you know, it, if it's me, a lot of times I'll just start blocking people just for just so I can have a conversation with somebody. It's yeah. like dude, you would never do this in real life. Right. It, I mean, they might get upset and yell at me, which is fine. But when's the last time you saw two different people having a conversation on the side, uh, on the street or in the park or something like that? You just ran up yelling at one of them because of something they said. Yeah. You just, <laughs> just don't a, do that. Yeah. yeah. Much less four or five people. But the anonymity of social media makes it perfectly normalized. Yeah. I've yeah. got one guy on social media who is pretty far left wing, but he's so demoralized like he, he he's left wing but he's a realist and he's a genuine guy right he just he just personally believes left wing ideology is more caring and moral than right wing i disagree guy, with that him guy on the show yeah i disagree with him but uh, I, we have discussed it enough that i understand his position as a true heartfelt morally justified position right it's the morally right in his mind and his experience and we've had several conversations either within public facing facebook conversations or more so than that even just one-on-one and messenger between the two of us him asking me details about things i've researched that he didn't know about and it's all he's always intrigued even if he disagrees with my conclusions and my evaluations he's always learning something 
I've researched that he hadn't heard about. Right. Uh, and then uh, libertarian ideology, you know, what do we believe, why, that kind of thing, and uh, how it differs from republicanism. And he, he's actually come to the point since the election that he regrets voting for Democrats and Biden, realizing he is more of a left-leaning libertarian than anything else. And he's like, yeah, I've really got to get to know this group because this just is, it's unsustainable. The the, the Republican versus Democrat uh dynamic is unsustainable for this country uh if democrats continue on with their domination and ownership of the political arena like they think they have this country is going to collapse before we reach midterm elections much less four years from now when we get to vote for a president again uh but man the, the ability to have that conversation with someone who is so ideologically different from you uh, because he is as far left on the spectrum of libertarianism as I am far right on the spectrum of libertarianism, right? A lot of people <laughs> who are your typical anarchist libertarians call me a republicanarian or whatever, yeah. uh, uh, whatever their uh, moniker for a fake libertarian who's really a republican is. I, I despise republicans as much as I do democrats. I, I'm a libertarian simply because it's the one position that's reasonable, right? There are positions within libertarianism I disagree with because they don't seem realistic to me. But yeah. who who agrees with every position of Democrats or Republicans and calls themselves a Democrat or Republican, right? right. That's, that's, that's necessary. Anyway, um, it, it's so hard to have that conversation that it's just been a breath of fresh air having this type of conversation with this one guy. Right. I've had yeah. so many people either praise me and I hate the praise as much as I hate the mockery. Uh, people who don't think for themselves and just praise somebody who says something they agree with or mock someone who says something they they, they don't agree with and aren't willing to find the truth in. Yeah. It's been very refreshing to have this guy who has such different political social views than I do. Just be able to have a peaceful conversation and find common ground and agree to disagree when we have very different views on things. I, I wish that was the norm. It's scary that he's the only person on social media I have that kind of relationship with. Yeah, and I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to uh, Ken Tate, if you're watching, buddy. Hey, Ken. Love you. I had a, a couple of conversations with him last year on the show yeah. re really benefited from it met some uh really interesting folks through him too which uh that's that's another thing i love about having friends like that is it's your foot in the door to another perspective another world and different people yeah. and uh, it's it, it's really neat to be able to have those so um and, and with that said if, if you disagree with either one of us we invite you to the show. We've uh, there's room in the in the chat for uh, a third voice. Uh, we'd love to talk to you, um, or you know, take it one. Hear from one. you, yeah, yeah. Hear, hear from you if you got a question for us. Want want us to uh, uh, want to challenge us with, with your perspective? We love it. That's 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 what the show's all about, right? Alex and I pick at each other uh, <laughs> with a lot of theological differences, but politically. Uh, well, actually, politically, we disagree, too, because I can't stand libertarians either for the most part. 
theonomist, crazy theonomist. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I like. Psalm I got you to admit that, that was love. wrong a few months ago, but hey, you know. What theonomy? Nah. Nah. What? Perhaps we'll revisit the the topic again. <laughs> Still need to get you to finish the tulip tiptoe, but hey. Thanks, uh, everybody, for sticking it out with us uh, for this first episode. We appreciate you. Uh, again, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about it. Uh, drop us a line sometime, uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. Parting gift. Try to have peaceful conversations with people you disagree with. Don't just try to win the argument. We, well need, we need civility more than ever in this country. Well said. All right, people. Love you all.